Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with Colin Doyle. We are uh, right in the heat of it here. Huge game coming up this week for the Toronto Rock. Huge two games, really, as the Rock need to uh, keep on winning to keep that hope alive to host a first-round playoff game. But uh, first, let's uh, jump into all kinds of stuff that's gone on here in the last week uh, in Toronto Rockland. A 12-11 win over the Philadelphia Wings, Rock Hall of Fame induction on Tuesday, it has been a very long week already, and we're not even to game day. But, uh, Doily, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me back. I spoke uh, between the induction ceremony and the game itself. I spoke to a bunch of people that are listening to the podcast, so that's neat. That's good. Heard lots of good suggestions from people about good podcasts to listen to while I'm driving. So keep it up. Keep spreading the word. I uh, want to get this out there to as many Rock fans as we can. hope it's been interesting, and if there's anything we can do to make it more interesting, just hit Mike up. <laughs> is that the proverbial passing of the buck there the i you do the homework okay. the prep work right. i do the talking okay. and rambling and carrying right. on fair Deal? enough we agreed to that that we did i think at some point so let's start with uh let's start with the hall of fame since that may be the freshest thing in our minds here uh tuesday night here at the track we had our second hall of fame induction class the class of 2019, five years between Hall of Fame uh, induction classes, which I think all things considered is actually a pretty appropriate amount of time to uh, have passed between the two induction classes because I don't think it's something you want to do every year with a team necessarily, unless you just did one guy a year kind of thing maybe. But um, to have a bunch of guys going together, I think it's a little nicer for everybody too, right? Yeah, it's usually – it'll likely work out that it's generational as well. So you kind of go in with guys that you – you know, primarily yeah. spent a lot of time yeah. with. So I think it's good. I think it worked. You know, um, I thought the night was great. It it seems that, uh, you know, everybody took to it really well. And I think, you know, being inducted for me was special. Everybody knows how much The Rock is part of my identity. So it was great. But it was even better to to have the team, this year's team there, and, and have my family there. But have those other four guys there it was really neat. Brought back so many so many great memories. And you, you sometimes you get so far removed from it, you get s- – so deep in everyday life away from lacrosse that you forget how many great memories you actually had and it's great to spend time with guys that uh, that you share those memories with so it was it was really fun and like I said during the ceremony itself uh, nothing but respect for those crew and the crew that went in before us so 10 names up there now in total and 11 11 yeah and it'll grow and uh, like we said you'll see the generation skip as time goes on and this kind of uh, probably be the last of that generation so uh, it was great to have Whipper there as well, kind of from yeah. the first group. So it was really fun. I really enjoyed it, and like I said, it was it was a, it was an incredible honor. Not just that's not just me speaking. It's it means a lot to me to be inducted into that Hall of Fame, and I'm sure, as you could tell by the speeches, it meant a lot to the other folks as well. Yeah, I I love hearing all those old stories, but also what I was just kind of popped into my head while you were talking about the generational thing and the guys that went in before you. You you played with all those guys, but you guys are all the first. That's like right. even though it's you know five years apart and you know we're twenty season twenty one now of the franchise here in Toronto, you guys are the first, and you're talking about talking to the younger guys and that being the next generation. It's kind of interesting that realistically in the big picture, you guys being the first, you didn't necessarily have anybody that came before you. You guys are the the trendsetters, the trailblazers, all that kind of stuff with this organization. And when people talk about, you know, setting the bar, you know, we saw Challen Rogers tweet about, and we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to him a little bit more about this later on the podcast, but, you know, about him saying, you know, you guys are the ones that set the bar. And I think that's just got to make it really even more unique. Like what other, not a lot of other sports out there currently, obviously have this thing where guys are getting inducted right now and they're the, the first yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, what what makes it so special is that the foundation of what the Rock is. I mean, I was a part of that. I yeah, mean, you know, it's, that's, you guys. it's yeah. very very cool. And yeah. uh, I I guess out of the group that was inducted this round, I would have been the only one involved with the team from its from its uh, inauguration. So 
I kind of feel like in speaking with Whipper, I was kind of part of two generations. I, I kind of yeah. see that. And, and so was Whipper to an extent. And, you know, Casey, to a smaller extent, had some relations with the older group as well. So, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah it's great to be. And it was cool because what we talked about this before, the rock kind of unfolded in front of everybody's eyes because it was televised. Yeah. So whatever we were, whatever we were going to become, you know, it was right there for everybody to see. So everybody's, you know, everybody's pretty connected to that era of the rock because of the TV and everything else. And I think, uh, yeah, so it's very cool. And to be the first of anything, it's great. So, yeah, I'm, it was a pretty good night. I had a lot of fun. Now, you mentioned having the chance to have the uh, the existing team there as a part of the uh, the night. Was this also a bit of an opportunity? Because I felt a little bit in your speech, there was some of it that you were talking to these guys, not necessarily a, you know, passing of the torch type of thing to this group, but you did mentioning, you know, you mentioned a couple times, I think, about, you know, the next group to win a championship and carrying on a bit of, you know, tradition of, of winning, I think, was a little bit of the undertone there. But was there a little bit of a message there? Was that an opportunity to kind of to pass it on because you don't get a chance like you've got a lot of pride in this organization obviously and what you've accomplished and what the group of you guys accomplished i'm sure it's you know clearly i think when we talk on this podcast every week i think it comes through that you know you you don't want this to end with you know what happened in the past you want this to continue and was that kind of a chance to relay that to the group where you don't really get a chance to talk to the guys as a whole yeah maybe i feel like a lot of the undertone in the podcast has kind of the same feel to it like yeah and whenever i'm given a chance to speak publicly on the rock i think that's one big thing that i always try to do is because it doesn't you know it doesn't do anything for me to have the rock fans to want to hang on to the past i, I really want to yeah. see everybody move with a new group and and it, unfortunately you know until you win i think you know when winning was such a part of our history until you win it's hard for the fans to go ahead and do that and i, I still think like this you know there was so much character and people were so drawn to the characters on the teams and we discussed maybe it was the the nicknames maybe it was this maybe but ultimately i think it was the winning it was the atmosphere around winning and everybody was so connected to it and so proud of it and i think you know the 05 team was like the bridge between old and new. And, uh, you know, Les had passed and kind of Terry had taken it over. And it was kind of a new group of players with some veteran presence, and we won one, and it was great. Then we had that little dip where, you know, maybe we weren't as good as we should have been, and then we had the 11. So we had the 11 and we had the 10 where we went to the finals and lost and could have won it and then went on to win it the next year. And I feel like some people reconnected, and I just feel like, for me, it's important that that winning tradition carries on and that those players understand that the winning tradition is what's most important uh, because that's what fans want. And you can't run from it. I, I just am a big believer. You cannot run from that when you're playing professionally. It's The, the gold standard is winning, and that's all it is. And I, I respect that you're not going to win every year, but you need to be a winner in some facet, and that means you know playing hard for the fans, earning their respect because of the level of play and your effort and your attitude and all those things. So... Yeah, I was probably an undertone of my speech, and I look—I very much look forward to rock fans forgetting about me. To be honest, <laughs> I with hate that. to tell you, I don't think that's happening. Well, and that's fine. Soon. I mean, if you look through sports over the years, I just want them to really be enamored with a new group. Yeah, and I want them to be connected to the new players and their personalities and their stories and everything else. And I think like that will come if we put together a string of really good years here, uh, because sports fans like that. So. That's that's what I think. I don't know that it's it's not a perfect world, but I would love if the players understood that, and I'm sure they do. They don't need to hear it from me. You know, they understand what, what what's at stake here. And yeah, if it was a subtle reminder, that's great. But ultimately, I think in a perfect world, when I go out and work with kids, I want them to tell me that their favorite players are Jordan Magnuson and, and Brad Cree and Nick Rose. And you know, I want that generation of kids to fall in love with those players, just like the generation before it. And I think another good thing that happened, I think the timing of this around this team right now too, I think I think maybe some things turned on for some guys, I would think. I, Storyline I again, eh? Just Mike? you sit there, right? You're, we're at a time where it's kind of, you know, this is a put up or shut up time here. We've hit April. There's four games left on the schedule. There's still an opportunity to host a, a home playoff game. And a lot of stuff has to happen in the team's f favor beyond the rock just winning out here but um maybe the light turned on for a few guys because i think when you stood up there and you looked around and and you said you know you if i wanted to start a team and and win you know 
you said, I'd just go get these guys. And you kind of pointed to all the other plaques out there. And I think also extended to the first class as well, obviously, that went in. And, and I think maybe some of those guys, I would think anyways, sitting in there being like, you know, I want to be one of those guys, right? Like, you know, enough with this almost and, you know, we're almost there and stuff like that, you know, over in previous years and could have, would have, should have, if this guy didn't get hurt or whatever. Like, maybe it's time that all these guys just sit here and say, you know, we play through this. We, you know, we've got, you know, two months ahead of us here if we make the, the full run that why not us? Right? Why well, can't we be the guys up here in ten years talking about how great it was winning two, three, four championships? You know, and and there is a young enough core that I think a lot of those guys that were sitting there could very well be a part of that. Well, you're right. I mean, this this takes us down a different path. I think the ability for for some players to say, ah, ah, we were good. Yeah, we were good. Like that that we talked about this briefly early in an earlier podcast. Like. You know, there wasn't much of that in my day. Like everybody was all in. Yeah. And when you get all in, you get great results and all those other things. And I think that, you know, nowadays that to say, well, that yeah, was good enough, I think is a, is a problem with young athletes. And it takes a, a pretty special athlete and a pretty special group to all say that, no, we're going to do this. And whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. And we'll, li- we'll live in infamy because of it. But I just, you know, I don't know. So I don't know if those guys will just sit there and say, well, you know, that makes sense. Let's do it. I don't know. And I think the team that does that this year will win it. Whether yeah. it's the Bandits, the Seals, uh, you know, Colorado, the Ro- I, you know, Georgia. It doesn't matter. It, it could be a list of teams right now that could win this thing. And I think the team that kind of gets that belief going and that, that inner belief, the inner strength, I think this is a team that will win it. And, you know, it's a difficult thing, but, like, when I said that, I meant it because I didn't know any different when the minute I got here, we were just full of good character and I didn't know it at the time. I was too young to pay attention to it, but man, was I ever lucky. You would kill for a dressing room like that now. And you understand how hard it is to get that. So then you appreciate how good Les Bartley was and how good Terry Sanderson was at building that and how much value they put into character because all those guys were great players and the guys before us were great players, but man, the, the character across the board, is through the roof on all of them. And, you know, you, it takes you back. Talent over character, character over talent. It's putting my coaching hat on and my GM hat on now. Man, it's a tricky dynamic because you can get fooled with talent all the time, but it is so important to have character. And I think, you know, those guys that, that went in this week, the character's through the roof. And the guys before that, you know, arguably even better. It, yeah. They're just full of character. So, I don't know. I think character will get the rock through this and character will carry them through to the championship if they're going to do it. I think the talent's there. They've got to find that character. They've got to find that identity. And if they do, they can be dangerous. Yeah. Because you look back and most recently in my, I guess, closest personal memory of, of championships here would be 2011. And some of those guys on that team, the Hobbins, Hort, like those guys, like who are, who are the 2019 version of those guys, right? Because I think that's what you're talking a little bit with the character and the guys that um, I don't want to say fill in the blanks necessarily, but you've got your top end talent, right? And you know you've got your solid goaltending, and I feel like somewhere in between maybe comes the character a little bit. And those great guys, you know, the great skill guys and everything, I think they need to be character guys too, right? But where are those other guys? What are going to be those? I guess character defining moments and whatnot that we're going to see here down the stretch hopefully from this group and there's a lot of guys in this roster just sitting on that fence and i think once those guys decide to put both feet in and change the dynamic i think we'll see great results and i just think that's why they're navigating through this kind of unknown you see unbelievable effort from their captain consistently yep and then you see great games here and there great efforts here and there from this guy that guy this guy but what we haven't seen since the going's been tough is everybody. You know, everybody given that effort where you're like, well, win or lose, we're pulling out of this thing with great positives because, yeah, we lost the bandits on the road, but we played our hearts out. Like, we're comfortable with where we're at. Yeah. That, ball, that ball will float the other way next time, and we'll come out of there with a win. And that's what character does for you. And I think this team right now hasn't defined that. So all those kind of middle of the rope, and it's it, it's not a knock on anybody. I mean – your, your 23rd player is as important as your second 
you know, on, on the talent pool list. If everybody's bringing that same mentality and that same effort and that same character level, then really talented teams become tough to beat. And so I think Friday was a, or Saturday was a good step. You know, I'm not going to beat their effort up. I thought we played hard and, you know, we made some mistakes for sure down the kind of down the end of the game to potentially give it away. But in the end, they got a, a win they sorely needed. And there was more good than there was bad. So I, I hope it's a start. And I hope that they understand how important that that mentality, that bulldog mentality is to just get out there and get it done and, and, and make it mean everything to you. I think it'll make all the difference in the world because I know from experience it did for us. So, you know, I don't like to talk about our group versus their group. You know that. I don't like bringing that up. This is a new group, but I think if they're going to find their identity here, it's those guys that you're talking about, kind of 7 through 16. That uh, in, Follow Billy Haas. Follow Chow. You know, follow these guys that are doing it consistently night in and night out and just make winning everything. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, so let's uh, we'll we'll quickly kind of run through the the game against Philadelphia from this past Saturday, and like we say, it does feel like it was three weeks ago now at this point. But some good uh, some good things that we saw. We just kind of talked a little bit about how the game went uh, in the late going. Rosie, I thought was phenomenal through the first three quarters. I think the team in general just wasn't great in the fourth quarter, but I think they had kind of put in the work, made the investment in the first three quarters to get that win. I would I agree. I would agree. That's kind of the way I look at it. They were the, they were much better, I think, than their opponent for three quarters. They were. And, you know, this, again, this is a different tune if they happen to give that one away. But, man, they needed a win. And they're not all pretty. And sometimes I'm okay just saying, well, we got that win. And you're right. They dominated. They were up 9-4 at one point, I think, late in the third or yep. middle third. Uh, what I thought was great was the adjustment um, of putting Challen on the power play, probably sending a message to Robbie which I think he received well mm-hmm. as he came out the you know the the second chunk of that game and he was outstanding doing what he does best going to the net and I think Challen up there changed the dynamic showed the coaching staffs willing to make a, a calculated risk to change something up it paid off and I think everything moved from there but their power play got going early because their first seven or eight possessions were not good it was just same thing ball on the yeah. outside and I was like oh no not again but then they got a couple of power plays, and I thought they were gifted a few. I think they had four in a row, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, early in that game. Yes, there were a lot of power plays. So they did have four early, in a row yeah. late or through the first into the second. I thought they executed, they counted them, and the ball kind of got rolling because what I saw out of the offense after that was a physical, more physical presence. Uh, and then you get Johnny Palace in a two-man game, which I've been preaching about, and good things happened. And they were more physical. Robbie was more willing to go to the net. He was rewarded. The left side was banging and crashing. Littner was banging and crashing. So I think we saw more of what we need to see to win these these games this time of year. So I was I was happy with that. Um, you know, but, I, you know, at the start of the game, I wasn't thrilled because I saw the same old, same old. But then they got those power plays. They cashed, and the dynamic changed like I thought it might. Um, defensively, I thought we were really, really, really good for three quarters. As far as the power play goes and Robbie Hellier, I'm just pulling this up because I'm hoping to back up what I'm going to say with the actual stats, but I I don't think Robbie Hellier's power play points are as big maybe as you would think. I mean, this year he has scored 26 goals and has four power play goals. Which point? I'm just saying what you're saying, you know, sending the message of one out and putting Challen on the power play. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's a bit of a necessary wrinkle, I think, maybe. It could be, but it, it was, and to me, it was more wanna... of a message, but I don't disagree. It could be something to roll with, but Robbie should probably still be on the crease of the power play then. Fair. But the other thing we got to bring up here is that the podcast bump here, I think, for Challen, because one week when you weren't here earlier in the season, right before we, uh, I think right before about the halfway point, I interviewed Matt Sawyer. And I said, no comment here, Maddie. All I want to just throw out in the second half of the season, Challen Rogers on the power play. And he just kind of laughed and looked at me like I was crazy at the time. So wait <laughs> a minute. Wait, this is all about you we, getting a we pat have, on the back? I'm just saying listeners to the podcast would have potentially maybe saw this coming. Maybe it was like, oh. 
I guess we'll find There's out some on the feedback here, here on yeah. this program. Maybe there once could in be. a while. Look, it's, Anyways, it's I, a very well... But, I mean, I wasn't obviously... like We saw Challen do this in the summer for the Oakville Rock when it was, again, maybe a necessity where they were sh- so short on the right side in the summer and he was so good in the playoffs that he was out there on the power play and he was taking shifts on the offensive side of the ball. And that was maybe more what I was alluding to is here's something that was a bit of a point of success, I guess, in the summer similar coaching staff people around the team etc cetera, etc cetera. we've seen this play out in the summer maybe this is something to throw into the mix look in the we, winter. what's That's the all. downside i no, I, nothing. I, I agree he can shoot the ball and what have man down's been doing to us the last six weeks to just sit back yeah and with tommy not having much confidence in his shot and robbie kind of being in the same boat they were just saying let these guys shoot We'll just eat that up, and it was working. Then what does Challen do first power play? Walks in, step inside the line, and blows one right by him. I mean, it, you just keep doing that until until something changes. Yeah. Now, like, I, it doesn't matter who's right there. The coaches will figure that out. But I think what it did to Robbie was, like, we're going to take something away from you here because you got to show us you're buying back in and you're going hard here. And, you know, I think it worked. And they got him back out there. I think he was out there the second power play. And that's kind of how it works. When you have to send messages like that, it's not always easy, but – it worked to get the team going. I think Challen's a good fit up there. Um, I, I still don't think we have Tom Schreiber going. And I think, you know, at some point that's got to kick back in because his numbers just aren't where they need to be for this team to be successful. I think we'd be, you know, I don't think we'd be doing this recap f- a fair justice if we didn't bring that up. He scored a gorgeous goal, a timely goal for us. But I don't. But it's so crazy to think you say he's not going, and this is where again I'm diving into the numbers here a little bit. But he is leading the team in points, and he is ninth overall in the league in scoring. So what? But, so what? No, but again, to your point, I don't think he's been going all year. I think he had a good stretch early. They had a they put yeah, a f- but I still think even then I was like, there's still something that, like Tommy still hasn't gone off for a few weeks in a row, kind of thing, and no, really I agree. been like. Oh, man, here's the guy. Because last year at the halfway point when he got hurt, consensus MVP pick. He was dominating almost every week in that first half of the season before he got hurt. He was so good and and impactful at meaningful moments and, and whatnot. And he had the big – you know, he was a big part of the comeback against Philadelphia in January in the home game, January 4th. And But, you know, you still think, okay, this guy's still – capable of being the guy at the top of the mountain and dictating kind of everything. Well, I and think he's going to have to be. Yeah. I think for this team to win, he, he's going to have to be that player that you saw where, you know, he's going to score or make something happen every time he touches the ball. And I think that's when – like look at his stat line if that's what you want to do. He's a goal and a half a game, and he's shooting the ball at a 115 clip. I just – like you know, he used to shoot the ball 12 times. He'd have six goals. So, you know, I think I think it's his confidence in part, and I think it's defenders slowly figuring him out. So I think the big test for him now, and like it's no different for Robbie. Well, what can you do differently to have an impact on the game here? Yeah. How can you score differently? And I just for, – for them to for them to go, for this team to go, those two guys got to be, like you said, at the top of the mountain. Get an Adam back I think is going to help a little bit. Because Adam's got that left-handed scoring presence that they're they're missing right now, but it's a little concerning to me. So when we talk about character and and working through these things, your top guys got to do it, just like everybody else does. And I think you know they've been faced with a little challenge here. And I think you know if they can come through this better, it'll just it'll it'll trickle down so easily to the rest of the team. And I just feel like. Man, I feel like they got to do something different. I think they got to get into a two-man game. I think they got to challenge players differently. And I just think if they can get that figured out, you know, if they can get start getting each other's backs on a pick, they're going to be tough to stop. So let's see what we saw from Johnny and the lefties. Let's see that on the right-hand side now. And I know we saw a glimpse of it. I can remember a beautiful yeah. goal in Philly off a slip pick where Robbie got it from Tommy, a beautiful pass. And so I, th- I think the right side's still work- working through what they are. I-, I do, because all Robbie's goals were duck underneath and score. That hasn't been there a ton. You know, probably a slightly weaker defense this week, and not to discount what he did. But, you know, they got Buffalo here on Friday. You know, that's put a game together offensively. So, I like I said, I'm not beating these guys up. I just think, you know, the reality is, is they've got to be all over the score sheet. 
Yeah, and I think another guy I want to bring up is Dan Lintner here. He's gone three straight games 0-0. Mm-hmm. And he's now, I think, officially proven that in his career he is streaky. <laughs> and sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's real good. Well, then my but, advice to him is go. let's go this weekend without anything. <laughs> and then let's put together a little five, six-game streak at the end of the year, counting the last two games of the regular season. Or start it now, yeah. I guess. Can he go seven, eight games? Maybe it's and the reason why I bring it up is obviously we're you know tracking milestones and whatnot around here and he's at 99 career points oh, and man. we've had the milestone graphics ready for three games for him to hit that hundredth career point. Can't grab a second assist and or something he here. Can't we throw him a bone? <laughs> he hasn't done it, so he's been uh, all ba- that bagel bagel here the last uh, three games in a row. And but again, this is one. Of, it feels like one of those weeks where. Danny Lintner is going to have three or four goals Friday night or Saturday. I kind of hope it's Friday um, or both nights, hey. But it's it's weird how you notice this, that, you know, the whole side goes quiet because ultimately when yeah. Tommy and Robbie are going, True. that just leaves a lot more meat on the bone for Danny. And I think people forget about that when they look at straight-up points and, and how they're producing. Like, when those top guys are going, everybody's eating. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and that's why I think it's so important that – Adam's back. Tommy and Robbie are going because when they're going, that's two for Pop, two for Craig, two for Littner. But it's two and four and two and six yep. because that ball's moving and everybody's banging it home. So I think what you're seeing from Littner is a little bit of a byproduct of the top dogs being down a little bit here. And I think Danny will be – he'll reap the rewards when these guys get going again. That doesn't get him off the hook. If we're talking about double donuts again from him this weekend, then, you know, he's going to need to be held accountable. So yeah. it's all connected, man. They all got to get going here. Okay. We will uh, take a short pause here on Toronto Rock Total Access. We are going to uh, track down the captain, Challen Rogers. I think uh, at some point here, he might be tied up for a little bit, but uh, we will, uh, you'll never know the difference listening to this uh, on the podcast. But we're going to take a short breather here and then we'll, we'll, we will return with the captain. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle here. We are now joined by the captain of the Toronto Rock, Challen Rogers. How are you doing, Challen? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Always good to see you here. Everybody's got a smile on their face now that you're in the room. Especially Colin. Especially Colin. I can't see enough of Chow, right? (laughs) Love it. Hall of Fame. We've talked a lot about the Hall of Fame. You guys had a chance to take it in as a team on Tuesday night. Um your first experience with it here uh, with the Rocks since you've been here and, of course, as a captain. What were your thoughts uh, on the evening? We saw your tweet about it, and we've already talked a little bit about your tweet off the top of the show even. But uh, what were your thoughts here? Tell us a little bit more about what you thought about the Hall of Fame. It was great. It was a great experience. It was, it was awesome to see, um, you know, those five individuals go uh, <clears throat> go up on the Toronto Rock Hall of Fame. And, you know, like I said in my tweet, um, you know, five guys that set the standard and, and really put Toronto Rock on the map for, for the NLL and, um, you know, just legends of the game. As a team, when you guys are sitting there watching, do you guys ever – is there a lot of discussion afterwards about the event and – you know what went on what was said all that kind of stuff do you guys sit back and you guys chat about it or is it just right on to practice and um it's all answer for him it's right on to practice yeah, it was right on to practice we, we there's a few comments made about um you know largy and you know the, <laughs> see, the <laughs> when you're really straight back see, to your storylines are beautiful and all come and on much guys sunk in with give these me guys. a little bit you, their takeaway from it Throw was how all five here. guys <laughs> up there carve largy that's probably <laughs> all they talked about it was funny. all right it was all funny. Right. and maybe my suit coat i had a lot of nice comments about my suit coat yeah, yeah. it looked great see so that I mean, there you go. Okay. That's what was, was that brought back into the dressing room. You think that night was going to push these guys over the edge? See how nuts I think you were. There's got to be a little bit of it. Was is there a little bit of inspiration? A little bit of a, yeah, absolutely. A little spark that gets lit when you see these guys and you hear how passionate they are about the team and what they accomplished and whatnot, and and maybe ups the desire a little bit to be a part of that. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's five winners up there, and I think at the end of the day, we we play this game to win, and we play this game to, you know, um, host a trophy at the end of the season. So, um, you know, hearing hearing stories about, uh, you know, kind of what makes a good teammate and, and what they did along the way to, to propel them up there, it was, you know, it did sink in. Um, but, you know, everyone laughed at the larger jokes. See? Everyone did. I, can I get uh, one point there yeah, at least? Yeah, a yeah, bit? yeah I gave a you a point there. Right, they, uh, they, do, do you remember Aaron Wilson at all? I do not. No, because he probably would have been. I don't know. He was. I, I was curious because everybody else, I think most of those guys in the room would have a relationship to most of them. You know, Josh having been here the last couple of years working with the team, and then Chappie playing, Boomer playing. You know. Yeah. Uh, I was curious if you know Aaron seemed to be the one that was a little bit removed. Yeah, and uh, I think people forget how good he actually was. When I tried you look to at hit his stats, like it's nuts. Really. He scored like, like yeah. he scored goals, and Tons. he was smooth, man. At yeah. it, I wish he, he should have never left. There was a couple of bad trade scenarios discussed that evening, obviously, but he was one for sure. That man, I don't know why on earth he was ever let go. You look back now, you can't put the pieces together at all. But so it goes. Yeah, like Chappie. I mean, who trades Chappie? I think Chap, but uh, I might be wrong on this. I think Chappie left because he was exposed in the expansion draft at one point. Well, you would know. I thought and then, he was. Traded. And then was I think he got? I think I want to say maybe Edmonton grabbed him in the expansion draft and he was traded to Rochester. Maybe, yeah. You I think that's right. maybe how he actually got to Rochester. It wasn't just a straight up. Uh, see you later. Get out of town. Right. Kind of okay. Fair thing. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, power play. Let's talk about the power play, Chal. How did you feel it there? Uh, it was noticed by a lot of people, like even in the post game scrum, right? I mean, you got asked by a couple people, uh, reporters and whatnot, uh, how you felt out there if you'd gotten some reps uh, earlier in the week and if this was something new for you and all that kind of stuff. But how did you feel out there on the power play? Uh, I think how did this all happen? Let's just even say, like, how does how does this all evolve for you that you end up on the power play? Um, you know, Blaine and Maddie coming up to me and. Uh, saying that you know they're gonna try me try me at the point and try uh you know me me getting my shot off a little bit um I think as the game went on I got a little bit more comfortable with it um it was obviously I, well I how never, could you have gotten more comfortable with it the first time out you scored <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little confused on that well I mean the play was drawn up for me to catch and shoot and I think as the other the other power plays kind of went along um you know I was kind of get a little bit more comfortable with you know catching passes from you know the guys up front and um you know this past summer playing a little bit more offensively with Oakville it kind of helped me um you know with that transition I think the one thing that kind of gets lost in all this is Chow's officially out of the Grinders Cup I mean (laughs) in my day it was if you played a couple of offensive shifts you'd get gassed from that but now power play's got to exclude you now yeah we uh it's kind of funny you bring that up because we were kind of harping on Slade's um for being out of the grinder cup because he was written down as an offensive guy that's right um that was my only little glimmer of hope that uh I wasn't written as an offensive player so by my by my count now that leaves Billy Hostrauser tied with Brock Sorensen for the lead. For those who don't know what the Grinders Cup is, it's the defensive players every year. Is it points or goals? Uh, I think it's goals. I think it's goals too. So they always award the defender who scores the most goals out of the back end. And when you go play an offensive shift or if you're put down as an offensive player, you get excluded. So now Slade's gone. Rogers is gone in my, you know, under my impression. (laughs) So he, you know. Now you're looking at Billy Hostrauser with four and Brocky with four and Damon with three, and yeah. we got a we, we got a good race. Yeah, the one thing that close. it was funny because the guy I was sitting next to he hasn't been to a game in some time. Big lacrosse fan doesn't follow it because it's not on TV. But when they announced your goal, because we were we were carrying on to him about how good Challen is, and mm-hmm. so he's like, okay, well, I'll keep an eye on him. Then you scored the power play goal, and the stat came up his twelfth goal of the year. And he looks at me, he goes, you top of the power play's only got 12 goals? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, he's a D guy. Yeah. He's, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> it was funny. 
Wow. That's the story. I oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I found it funny. Okay. So we're moving into this week. We've got the Buffalo Bandits uh, on the schedule and then the Rochester Nighthawks Saturday. Uh, this game on Friday night, the Buffalo Bandits, I mean, you guys can even maybe talk amongst yourselves on this one a little bit, but I want to talk about the rivalry with the Bandits and kind of maybe calling how you saw it when you played and, and challenging how you see it today. Maybe we'll start challenging how you see this rivalry today. Um, I hate Buffalo. Um, Same? I <laughs> hate Buffalo. Okay, wow. First <laughs> F-bomb on the podcast. So I had to one-up. Right. You can cut that out. No, carry on, Challen. Right. We are on the same yeah. page there. Um, you know, I but think... why? Like, what, why? There's the bigger thing. Why do you hate them? Well, Challen can the start. Parks, like, he can start, okay. then I'll give you my take. All right. um, you know, a little bit of everything, just... Um, you know, I think just kind of how they they act as a group. And, um, you know, it's not something that I think we kind of embrace. Um, but, I mean, we always have really close games with them. And um, they're just a team that's, you know, they, they work hard. They, they have a pretty potent offense. And, um, you know, the games usually come down to the wire. Yeah, I... For me, it was just the way they carried themselves. They just, they were just different than the way The Rock did things, and they were like anti-Rock, and they did it their own way. It was complete opposite of how we did it. And, uh, you know, back in those days, if we were going to be successful, we literally had to take the torch from them and the Wings. So our two biggest rivals were them and the Wings. But they were mean, and, uh, you know, they were bullies, and they took poorly timed penalties time after time, but they didn't care. They just wanted to beat you down. And, you know, I could just you just get so fired up for those games because you're like, I'm not going to let it happen. These guys aren't beating me down. It's not happening. And they just kept trying and trying and trying. And uh, that's why I just – I still to this day, like, uh, just seeing the colors makes me cringe. And, I, and there's no point in hiding it and putting it any other way. I can't stand the Buffalo Bandits, and I never will. Um, you know, I got respect for some guys there too. Like, they were great players and they were great competitors, but – it seemed like whenever there was something on the line, we had to beat them to achieve something, and we had a really good stretch against them for a long time, and nothing felt better. You talk about that formula kind of that they have had in the past, and it, it doesn't seem like it's maybe quite there right now, but taking all those penalties, being a bully, like I feel like you can go back and look through box scores in games where they would dig holes in games in the first half against the Rock, take tons of penalties, majors, everything, and then suddenly in the third quarter, it's a one- or a two-goal game after they were down five or six maybe in the first. Or they might have still been in a game in the first half but had no business being there because they've been in the box for the right. better part of that first half. It, it Yeah, they don't play like crazy that anymore. crazy formula, yeah. I don't feel like they're that anymore, and no. I think they were – back then, they were uh, they were an extension of their coach, and that's how Darius played. Yep. And Darius for forever was the, the bandits, you know – that was their identity, and, you know, he won with it. And, you know, they came really close to winning with it then too, but it never changed. And you'd have to endure such physical pain in there to beat them. And if you weren't mentally strong against them, they'd bury you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we go back to talking about that character thing and that, that resiliency to want to win, and that speaks to it in those games because, man, they would beat you down to, to a pulp. And that was their game plan. And if they were still hanging around, they'd find a way to beat you because they were underneath all that. There was still a ton of talent there, so they were well built and and well coached. They just did it differently. And less couldn't have been any different from from Darius. You know, we did not take undisciplined penalties. We we weren't any of that. And it was like two opposites playing against each other. Then, you know, even when Terry was here, we didn't really we didn't portray ourselves that way we were team tough all this other but we weren't beating teams up i mean we had flipper and chappy and these skilled defenders that were tough but not like their kind of tough so i it just it takes me back this this goes on to the to the bitter end with those guys i just feel like it never changed and you, you're always just fighting for your space against them so yeah I, I mean nothing would make me happy in seeing the rock win this weekend if they're gonna grab one of these two please grab fridays <laughs> <laughs> I agree. In front of the home fans, too. you got to love that. Sure. But, Chell, I mean, you've only been in the league, you know, for a few years. You know, not only just with the Rock, only for a few years, but just in the NLL for a few years. So, 
Was there a welcome to the rivalry moment for you against the Bandits that got this, you know, the juices flowing, like you say, and, and built the hate for the Bandits for you? Or is it just something that automatically, once you pull the Rock jersey on, it, it's there? Um, well, that, it's funny you bring that up, too. It's When I first obviously came to the Rock, I just I knew about, obviously, the rivalry and the hatred for, for each other between us and, and Buffalo. And, and to me, you know, I didn't, I didn't know it. I didn't experience it, so I didn't really have much of a say. But through the past three years, I mean, it's flipped very fast. <laughs> um, you know, my first year, we, I couldn't tell you the stats, but I think we were pretty successful against them. And, um, I mean, as the year years have gone on, it's just like what Colin was saying, how they kind of portray themselves. It's just not something I, I like in a way. And, um, you know, even on the floor, it's just a team that you love to beat. I'll give you my welcome to the rivalry. Well, I guess it was the first year The Rock ever existed. We were playing in the guards. I think it was the first game of the year down there, or in Toronto. And was it against Buffalo? Yeah, it was against I Buffalo. I think the first ever game, yeah. It was. So, you know, like Johnny T, we're up. And Johnny T just runs the balls down in our end of the floor. Like, we're down playing offense. He just runs down and, like, ran over Whipper. Like, just ball wasn't any. He just went down and crushed him. So, you know, I, I, I chase him down. I run to the other than Florida to hit him, to let him know, hey, you can't do that. And, and before I can even turn around, this is like a guy who's played 15 years in the league already. He just turns around and pitchforks me right in my throat <laughs> and drops me. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then before I can get up, I got Rich Kilgore's got me in this. Like, I couldn't breathe. He had me up against the boards in this headlock, and he was choking me out. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I, the, the thought, I'm, I'm 18 years old or 19 years old, and, and I, I'm trying to process all this because I'm like, okay, well, I, I charged at him. Why didn't he fight me? I thought he was supposed to fight me. No, he just spears me right in the throat. <laughs> Completely gets me off guard, drops me. Then I got a guy choking me out. Another guy who's played 12, 15 years in the league. So I'm like, what? So then you just realize, like I realized at that moment, I said, this is, this is how it's going to be, man. Like, this is how it is. And they didn't care. And so – you know, you, you figure it out in a real hurry. I can remember saying to Whipper after the game, I said, "What? What? What gives?" He's like, hey "Man, that's how it is. Like, <laughs> they're not gonna, they're not gonna square you up and fight you. That's not what they do." And you know, it was the strangest thing because it was brand new for me, and I was like, "Wow, man!" And I had this conversation with Richie Kilgore many years down the road. He said, "I remember vividly choking you. You were screaming, you were <laughs> screaming and screaming." And I said, "Yeah, I was. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> it was nuts, man." So oh, I figured that's how it was going to be every time we played them, and it was borderline. It was nuts. There was so many ruthless, ruthless stuff happening in those games, but I remember them vividly. I loved every minute of it. But well, I remember. I- even when I first started working with the team, we had the the bench clearing brawl there leading into the 2011 season in Six Nations in preseason, That's right. where there was what? <laughs> there were no no. That's the funny. There were no numbers on the on the pregame rosters of who was playing what half or whatever. And Buffalo addressed about 30 guys, and there was guys I swear coming out of the dressing room from behind the bench. And it looked like it was about 30 on 20 in the brawl. And there's just guys yeah. peeling out of the... It, it literally was. And then my first, like, it was like my first kind of year as the captain of the team. And I'm thinking, well, i got to get out there and do something. There's four guys that must have been assigned to just me. Priolo and a few other guys. They just stood at the bench. And I looked at JL, or, or Troy, I can't remember. He just goes, yeah. you're not going out there. And for, like, first time in my life, I was like, yeah, I'm not going out yeah. there, man. I'm, I'm going to the slaughter. Oh, so I was like, it reflected poorly, but I was like, I am not going out there. Those guys, they weren't even involved in any other fights. They were just sitting, standing there waiting for me. Yeah. I was the only guy on the bench still. And he's like, you're not going. And I'm like, oh, I got to go. No, I can't go. And was it Angus Goodleaf that ran the, down the floor yeah, to grab Whipper? And then Patty Campbell yeah. came off the bench, and it was The just... infamous Patty Campbell. The stuff was uh, off before yeah. he cleared the... It was unbelievable. <laughs> and that, that was Patty for you. I know some people were talking about Patty uh, on Twitter this week. Yeah. That was Patty, man. He didn't have to wait. He saw it coming. No. I'm surprised he didn't beat Angus <laughs> yeah. to him. So uh, there you go. And, and that was, you know, like... The, but that set up later that year, the first their first trip to the then Air Canada Center. I remember that first quarter took an hour to play. I, if I heard this correctly in that brawl preseason game, yep. Troy and Derek, this is, this is Buffalo. This is why I hated them so much. Whether the story's true or not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. What you got told was this. Troy and Darius agreed to play the starters in the first half and then the guys trying to make the team in the second. 
So we roll out our starters in the first half, and lo and behold, Darius just rolled out the guys that you didn't even know who they were. Okay? So there we are. <laughs> You've got 19 guys trying to make a Darius Kilgore team against all of our starters. Yeah. And then, you know, like that was just what Buffalo did. And giggling and laughing the whole time. And then the second half when there's nobody left, they roll out all their starters, starters and just pound our guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they were so hateable. Oh, I just remember who was getting it. Marsh was in the crease – Rob Marsh, I think Brett Bucktooth might have been. Yeah, gave it to him. Yeah, that was that was probably the worst. But I th- I feel like it was uh, Queener. He was trying out that year. I think for us. I, yeah, I heard something about because that's how it all started. There was a little pushing and shoving down in the rock end, and I feel like I can remember somebody saying like, "Hey, you better go out and do something this shift. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you still want to make the team." But it, not like people. But, can, and then boom, next thing you know, it's like, "Whoa, we didn't mean like people start a venture." <laughs> whatever they want started that. That thing was starting one way or yeah, another. I, I guarantee so, yeah. you that. Like, yeah. it, it was clear in their dressing room what was going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it was clear in ours. I know it was clear in their room how that first half yeah. was going to play out. So if you want to watch that, it's on YouTube. So you can fire is that it? up. Yeah, yeah, the full thing. The whole thing is yeah. on YouTube there. So you can uh, watch that. Easy search. Bandits Rock Brawl. I think you'll get to it pretty fast. So uh, <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I think we've got you fired up, Chow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go watch that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, me and me yeah. But the rivalry is real. And contrary to what people believe, it's not uh, because we're close. I don't think it has anything to do with it. Do you? The geography no. of yeah, it? Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with it. You play each other a lot because you're in the same division, but you, you could probably arguably get the same – you play everybody the same amount. I don't think yeah. it's that. It's just – I just think it's the way they were and the way the Rock were. Yeah. Probably carries through to this day. And I, I watch them too. Like, you see how they are. Oh, yeah. You know, sitting atop of the division, carrying on. Like, you know, and that's who they are. And they got a good thing going and they're rolling with it. And that's a good feeling. But if you're on the other end of that, I'm the Rock. I'm looking at that saying, I want to slow that down. I want to put a hole in that so bad, man. Yeah. Because it's tough to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. So I get it. That would get my juices going too. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up on that note. Uh, Chow, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been a great stroll down memory lane as always. <laughs> and uh, good luck this weekend against the Bandits and the Nighthawks. Thank you. Good luck, Chow. Thanks. All right. That was Chow and Rogers, captain of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and wrap it up in a minute. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle uh, bringing you home on this edition of the podcast. It's been uh, since we've wrapped up the interview with Challen Rogers. Uh, Colin's had a chance to go back and watch some film, do some studying. <laughs> Does that ever take you back? And that was nuts, man. That was insane. I'm going to say on this note, though, uh, their captain, Priolo, has turned into quite a ball player. Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I've kind of from like, when he came out of junior and first started in the league, he definitely had a certain reputation. But now, absolutely, I mean, yeah, he's, he, he quickly. I, I feel like about two or three years into his career, things really started to change. But yeah, obviously, yeah, he's turned now. Into, I mean, yeah, and a good choice for captain of that team, and I think he's a big reason. And I don't know that he gets his due. Maybe he does. I don't know, but I don't follow the Bandits. But I think he's a big reason they were there. Were there, and the reason I say that is because he was one of the guys waiting for me outside of the bench, and. Uh, <laughs> So it, it it struck a chord, but he's turned yeah. into he's turned into a great lacrosse player, and uh, he's leading that team well. They're a good club, man. The Rock are gonna have their hands full, but I think the Rock need to beat them. I think they just need to send a message at home, you know, that they can compete with the top dogs. And wherever they fall in the standings, they fall in the standings. It is what it is, but at least they know they can beat them going in. I think it's a big it's a big must win for them. Before we get too too far into this game again on Friday. Uh, I think last week we mentioned a little bit that you were going to go check out some baseball. Yes, I did. Did you make it? Did you get there? Yeah, we, we saw game three of the Jays-Tigers series. The Tigers were horrible. So it was a long game, but we made it through just in time to grab a little something to eat from a sausage vendor, have a cold beer, and then get to the Rock game. Nice. Yeah, and we made our first postgame party. It was a long day. It was. What did you think of the baseball? It was great. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm so happy it's back. They're playing right now, actually. They're home openers right now. I should be tuned into that. But look what I'm doing for this podcast, Mike. <laughs> so I'm gonna Sacrifice. I'm going to put it on here and check a score. But I'm happy baseball's back. The Tigers are 4-3. and three. I'll keep everybody posted as the year goes on. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> All right. Do you have your first trip down to uh, Tigertown planned there? Not yet. I got a... Do you remember that old movie? That kid... I think it might have even been called Tiger Town. No, I don't. The little kid that came home, it was like an after-school special almost kind of thing. And this kid used to come home every day, race home from school and, and get ready for the game. Or he'd go down to the yard after every game. Like, really? I, I got to find And it's about the Detroit Tigers. I swear it is, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm on it now. I used to love I, – it was on like – I feel like it was on like a few times one year. I remember as a kid watching it, and it, it was – it was great because it was just this kid who just loved baseball and the Tigers and everything. And I, he had, like, weird stuff. Like, he had, he'd have all the programs, I feel like, rolled up in, like, his dresser drawer and stuff. Like, he had all different kinds of, like, hats. And, like, he was just a fan and just loved it. Anyways, I can't, Tiger can't remember Town. the whole premise of the whole thing. But I, I want to say it was called Tiger Town even. No, I'm on it. I, oh, you're on it? You found no, it? No, I'm oh, on it. Okay. I'm all on right, that. Right, That's right, one right. thing I'm going to do this week. Royals are leading the Tigers 3-2 in game 157, I think. In game five of 162, I guess. So, yeah. Um, Pretty exciting. It was great. I'm happy that baseball's back. This is always the best time of year. You get hockey playoffs starting. I, You know, hockey playoffs I like. I know you're paying. Are the Habs going to make the playoffs? Maybe. They're right there. This is the thing. There's only a couple of games left here as we're recording this Thursday afternoon. But, um, yeah, like, you know, Pittsburgh right now, I believe, sits eighth overall in the NHL, yet have not clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, the and East is tight. It is insane. And the Penguins could end up, even if they don't make it, I mean, they're still going to finish, I, I would think, if they totally tank out here in the last two and everything goes against them, they'd still finish like 13th or 14th, I think, overall and not be in the playoffs potentially because the West, you know, the some of the bottom teams there haven't exactly piled up the points like some of the teams have in the East. But the Penguins have been pretty good over the last – really month here and gotten right back into the mix and a week ago had a chance to still win the win the division and anyways. who gets that last spot in the east columbus has got the softest schedule yeah i mean i almost feel like even though as a penguin fan i have no love for columbus because i think the rivalries right now go washington philly columbus for the penguins but they made all those moves at the time for their fan base i kind of feel for them because they could be ready to kind of go into a bit of a bad space, I think, if they lose Bobrovsky and Panarin, and maybe that starts an even bigger exodus out of town there. But they, they went all in here, and I like that. So do I. It's good right? to see it And uh, for a mid-market. like a- Yeah, so I, I would hope that those fans get rewarded with a playoff spot. Carolina I can do without because I don't want to see any of that. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's right. I really haven't been paying attention, but I see yeah, they do all this I, crazy stuff. Somebody, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of, I think it's neat. It's funny. Anyway. Here it is, Tiger Town, 1983. It's on YouTube. Okay. Well, I guess I'll try to watch it before I see you next. Tiger Town. Sure. That could be the story of me. If I grew up in Detroit, I'd be at every game. I think this is it. Oh, it's an hour and something. Maybe this isn't the movie that I'm thinking it is. Moving Anyways. on. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, it is. It definitely is the movie you want to watch. All this. right. Tiger Town. You'll it is. You'll love it. You'll love it. <laughs> yes, I will. I gotta watch it again myself because I'm hoping movie night. it's as good as it was when I was eight years old. Apparently, when it came out in 1983. So I watched them. I'm, I'm almost through the the last, the most recent series of Trailer Park Boys. It's a- animated. I wasn't too yeah, sure last what week to you expect. Said you're a little. And so far, so good. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to hear other people. Anybody who watches it, let me know. I like it. I think it's good. Did they have to go animated because the guys have gotten too old? I think they went animated. One of the key characters died uh, in real life, Mr. Leahy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He passed away. And then I just think it was probably taking its toll on them. And, you know, where do you go if you're going to keep the series going? So I, I think it was a logical place to go. They'll probably put the feelers out this year, see how it goes. If yeah. it hits, th- I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed that way. Because I can imagine how hard it is portraying that. How did they recognize the passing of Jim Leahy? He's still in the show, and I think that with the way they've done it with the animated series is they've cut his voice from other... I think they've got ah, somebody to copy his voice for a little, but okay. I think they've taken a lot of cutouts from other seasons Yeah, and kind of scripted him. He's, he's back in as, as the liquor ghost. 
you know, so his character <laughs> fits perfectly. But I, I, if I'm if I'm understanding it correctly, without having done much research, I think Jeez. they cut out from, from yeah. a bunch from the before, and and then they must have somebody doing voiceovers for him yeah. now. But yeah, it's not bad. I, I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite humorous. Okay. Back to business here. This weekend, uh, Toronto Rock, Buffalo Bandits. We've we've talked a lot about, uh, obviously, this game coming up Friday night, and hopefully people are uh, able to grab a listen here to the podcast uh, before the game on Friday. But also Saturday night, the Rochester Nighthawks. Let's touch a little bit on that as well. Um, this is a team that I think, you know, they were all in at the trade deadline themselves in terms of beginning to retool and they've gotten some guys that uh, have made an impact a little bit uh, you know since they've been acquired but what do you make of that game on Saturday night uh, being that Friday's game has all the great storylines around it with the rivalry and still chasing a home playoff game and whatnot that uh, you know how do you approach that game on Saturday night well at this point you don't you don't even bring it up and we've discussed this before I think you just get this bandit game and the trajectory of what Saturday is depends solely on the outcome of Friday. Yeah. I think if they win it, uh, if they win, they beat the Bandits at home. You know, I just think those spirits are so up, and they'll, they'll find a way to go in and beat, a, I think, what will be a hungry Rochester team. I think the dynamic there has changed. They might be without some people that, you know, maybe fans became accustomed to. But I think this version of the Nighthawks isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think – and. and I think they're still fighting for a playoff spot. It's a long shot, but yeah. I, they'll have something to play for. They've played tough, I think, since the transition of the new players, out with the old and with the new. So I think the Rock go in super confident if they win Friday, and they know that, you know, uh, kind of a torn apart Rochester team's the only thing sitting in front of them of a two-game or a three-game win streak and potentially putting some pressure on the top dogs in the East. So I think depending on how they come out of there, because if they do come up with a loss, especially a loss that's lopsided, that's dangerous going down to Rochester the next night because, you know, they have the potential to put one on you down there. It's always tough to win down there. And, man, you don't want to give two away this weekend. And maybe the pressure mounts on the rock a bit knowing, well, we can't lose both. It's a dangerous, slippery slope, I think, if they don't grab that one Friday. But like you said, man, it's going to tell us a lot about who they are. It's The time is now for this team. So I, I don't know. I What happens Friday will dictate what the mood is and the importance of Saturday. And I think – I think if we win, you're going to see an unbelievable effort on Saturday. I think if we lose Friday, I don't know. I think it'll I, – I worry it could go the other way. Hmm. Yeah, it shouldn't – one shouldn't affect the other, but I, I just – I don't like the feeling that I have that if they lose on Friday night, they could go in there and potentially give another one away. Hmm. I hope I'm wrong. We should also mention that The Rock will be wearing uh, special jerseys on Saturday night as a part of the Nighthawks Cradle for the Cure fundraising efforts. And you can visit www.nighthawks.com slash auction if you'd like to bid on either the Rochester or the Rock jerseys that will be worn that night. And the auction wraps up, I believe, during the game on Saturday night. Anybody who is a successful bidder on Saturday night will have their jersey shipped out to them or possibly make some other arrangements to uh, pick them up here at the track. But ideally, those will be shipped out to you by the Nighthawks. So uh, jump on over there, nighthawks.com slash auction. Bid on the Rock jerseys, bid on the Nighthawks jersey. Let's hopefully uh, all the fans from both teams can get together and raise a whole bunch of money for a great cause on Saturday night in Rochester. Uh, we also do want to mention on Friday night before the game, the Rock will honor Sandy Chapman, who was one of the five inductees into the Rock Hall of Fame with a video presentation. And uh, Jamie Dowick also has a presentation for Chappie uh, before the game on, on Friday night. So you want to be in your seat early so you don't miss any of that. Uh, leading up to the game on Friday night. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on here today, Doily, before we wrap this up? I think we've uh, covered a lot of great ground on the podcast today. Yeah, so do I. That's uh, We'll leave kind of a – we'll have a look at the whole league next week. Okay. Let's let this weekend get through, kind of see how the West is setting up. I think potentially they could be locked in. Uh, and then we'll kind of see how this week plays out with the East. So I think we'll have a we'll take some time to have a good look at the entire league and maybe what we think is going to happen moving forward. I think next week. But I'm excited. Uh, like I said, it wasn't pretty, but it was a much needed win. And I, I just hope they can put a little string together here. It starts Friday with Buffalo. So let's keep on keeping on, man. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. 
All right, Rock City, make sure you got your tickets to Friday night's game, the Toronto Rock, the Buffalo Bandits. It's the second last regular season home game of 2019. So if you haven't been out yet, make sure you get your tickets and get out there on Friday night. And then next Friday night, April the 12th, it will be the final regular season home game of the 2019 season. I'll turn a savings night. And also, of course, the retirement of number 32, worn by Jim Veltman for so many years as the first captain of this Toronto Rock team. We'll uh, deal with that a little bit more next week, but also uh, a big night in Rock history. Congratulations to Chappie. Before I forget, yep. we'll get to talk about the uh, 32 next week, but this week, congratulations to Chappie. He was a huge part of this team, and I think someone the fans really respected. So see him off well. Yes, absolutely. Make sure you get up and cheer and uh, recognize him the way he should be deserved because I think the D guys uh, don't always get all those cheers and accolades and, and whatnot that some of the O guys get. That's right. Uh, he was uh, he was one of the greatest here, and I think the fans will recognize him accordingly. So congratulations, Chappie. You're a heck of a teammate. Okay. On that note, we'll wrap things up. In the meantime and in between time for Colin Doyle, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it, that's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access over and done with. We will chat next week.